WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Good morning. This is James Flippin filling in for Noah Layden on this Friday. It's December 1st. WABC time check right now, 501, sponsored by Bulova Watches. Let's get your Ramsey Mazda three-day weather forecast to kick things off. Mostly clear this morning around the tri-state, 41 degrees where we're at right now. Later today, rain is likely after 4 o'clock, 49 today's high. And then tomorrow, Saturday, foggy, cloudy, a high near 56. Sunday, rains in the forecast, 52 the expected high. Monday, partly sunny with a high near 51. 33 Right, and actually that's not correct. 40 in Midtown Manhattan, 38 in Elizabeth, New Jersey, 40 in Elmont on Long Island, and that is the weather forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. So yesterday, the MTA put forth their official final recommendations, the Traffic Mobility Review Board, for this congestion pricing plan that's coming from Midtown Manhattan sometime next year. We've heard as soon as spring when it could take effect. And I've said, just on principle, I'm not paying congestion pricing. I'm from New Jersey. We already have to pay the tolls to get across at the Lincoln, the Holland, the George Washington Bridge, whatever it may be. So I've said, just on principle, I'm not doing it. I'm not paying the congestion pricing. I won't bring my car into Manhattan. Now, admittedly, when I fill in for Noam on this shift, I don't really have much choice. Because mass transit doesn't run at, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning or whenever it is I have to come in here to get ready. So you got to drive in. But they did announce that in terms of the official recommendations from the Traffic Mobility Review Board, you'll get 75% when you drive in Midtown overnight. So you enter at 9 o'clock p.m., you enter before 5 o'clock a.m., they're going to take 75% off that congestion pricing toll. So I figure maybe that's my way out, because maybe I could say to myself, all right, if I'm getting 75% off, I guess I can justify it, I can stomach it. And it looks like as far as that congestion pricing plan, drivers will have to pay an extra $15 to enter Manhattan south of 60th Street, like we said, possibly as soon as this coming spring. It's all part of the MTA's congestion pricing program that aims to fund subway upgrades. And Carl Weisbrod, who chairs the Traffic Mobility Review Board Traffic... uh, See, I was laughing with Bob Brown about this yesterday. On the Newswire, they put it twice. Traffic Mobility Review Board, Traffic Mobility Review Board... Carl Weisbrod is recommending these 15 bucks to the MTA. Absent this, we're going to be choking in our own traffic for a long time to come, and the MTA is not going to have the funds necessary to provide quality service. Drivers will get, like we said, a 75% discount entering the zone overnight. So from 9 at night until 5 in the morning, you get that 75% cut. Drivers of passenger vehicles who use the Queens, Midtown, Hugh Carey, Holland, and Lincoln Tunnels would get a $5 discount during daytime hours. And it is worth noting, uh, something we kind of knew ahead of time when the details were leaked on late Wednesday, that there is no discount if you cross at the George Washington Bridge. Small trucks, commercial trucks, will be charged between $24 and then larger ones, $36. That's based on their weight, the, the you know freight that they're carrying. Taxi riders can expect to pay an additional $1.25, while four higher vehicles 
like Uber and Lyft, they'll have an additional surcharge of 250 per ride. The MTA says it expects a 17% drop in vehicles entering Manhattan's central business district. You heard them yesterday at their press conference kept talking about CBD, which makes me think of the, you know, uh, weed byproduct that they put in all those candies and stuff, CBD. But no, it's the central business district. This is all the congestion pricing plan that's expected to raise billions of dollars, I guess, you know, billion per year, I think is the estimate for subway repairs and improvements. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy has sued in an attempt to try and stop the congestion pricing plan or maybe change it because, uh, you know, basically he thinks it's unfair that the money is it none of it's going to New Jersey or any of their mass transit efforts. Weisbrod, chairing that traffic mobility review board, says congestion pricing should do a lot for New York City. Uh, the goals of congestion uh, pricing, which is to reduce, reduce congestion in the region, reduce pollution in the region, and generate funds to the MTA's uh, capital program. And there are no exceptions for police, fire officials, or other government employees. We really made an effort to keep the base toll as low as we possibly could. So New York and New Jersey officials now reacting to this recommended congestion pricing toll structure. Again, this isn't, you know, totally official. It's kind of the final recommendation from the MTA and their whole people with the Traffic Mobility Review Board, but it's not set in stone here. And given the $15 number, Governor Kathy Hochul of New York seems satisfied because the original estimates to enter the Manhattan Central Business District were as high as $23. I know there's going to be an impact, but we have to also deal with the larger picture, protecting and cleaning up our environment, protecting the quality of air, protecting mobility on our streets, and also protecting our financial stability of the MTA, because without that, it all collapses. A few other places have tried it. I believe will be a model for the nation. Yeah, there's obviously a... um a congestion pricing tolling structure in London. I believe that was the first place that it jumped off. I think Berlin also has it. And then maybe Dubai, if I'm not mistaken. But there are other places around the world that have done this kind of thing. Um, you know, I think that one of the more unique aspects for New York is that right here in Manhattan, you're surrounded by water. So, you know, you're paying to get into the borough anyway if you're coming from new jersey or you're coming from westchester or you're coming from uh long island you know you're paying to get in so yeah they say okay you get the five dollar discount if you cross some of those tunnels but like we talked about yesterday it's kind of weird that you don't get it for the george washington bridge and you have to wonder how that's going to affect traffic patterns wabc news time 509 i will do my best not to get everybody too riled up here about this issue but you know congestion pricing it's it's significant it's on everybody's mind so what do New York City officials think about the MTA's plan? Well, Mayor Eric Adams says he wants exemptions to be made in order to determine how to include people traveling into the city for medical reasons. We don't want to overburden a broken class New Yorkers, but those who are just of whatever the price is, they need to pay that price. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy has forcefully rejected the tolling program, calling it an unfair and ill-conceived scheme. He specifically seems to take issue with the fact that all of the collected money will go towards the MTA and not Port Authority or New Jersey Transit. And the only way it would be fair, Murphy says, is to maybe more or less combine that revenue that's being taken in. That seems, you know, uh, to make sense to me. Um, and really in a big picture, you have to wonder over the next 10, 15, 20 years, could there be some sort of consolidation with some of the uh, transit authorities around the tri-state? Because, uh, you know, the the... 
significant overlay and overrun in terms of the bureaucracy with the MTA and New Jersey Transit, um, you know, New York City Transit, all that is certainly significant. New Jersey Congressman Josh Gottheimer says congestion pricing will increase toxic cancer-causing pollution in New Jersey. So, you know, that kind of would fly in the face of the supposed climate benefits that comes along with congestion pricing, and maybe the congestion pricing plan would only make the air quality better in Manhattan. And the congestion toll, it is a double whammy for New Jersey drivers. Governor Murphy noting the toll you'll pay to cross the Hudson, and then you'll also pay one to be in Midtown. It's ripping off New Jersey commuters to pay for whatever financial failings the MTA has. We're considering all of our options, including further legal action. And there is a lawsuit in place where New Jersey is basically trying to, you know, stop the plan or get an injunction. So maybe they can negotiate a change, some kind of a deal. Staten Island's borough president, Vito Fasella, has filed a lawsuit. Um, Staten Island Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis is firmly in opposition. So it's going to be an extra, at least right now, that's the recommendation, $15 to get into the city south of 60th Street. Um, the governor, uh, Murphy, other elected officials, like we said, have filed legal challenges. Meanwhile, the tri-state's largest mass transit construction project is getting underway, and mass transit going to be that much more important if that congestion pricing continues the way it looks like it's going to. Crews breaking ground on the New Jersey side of the Gateway Tunnel Project. Officials on both sides of the Hudson working for years to move the project along, which will build a two-way tunnel between New Jersey and Manhattan. So as we officially get started on the Gateway program, make no mistake about it, we're going to bring new improvements and opportunities to New Jersey with every milestone we reach. New Jersey Governor Murphy says the first phase of the project will construct new rail bridges in the Meadowlands. He says the entire project is expected to create 70,000 jobs. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. Swinging from New York and New Jersey now over to the Middle East. Let's get the latest from Israel and Hamas amid that conflict. Fighting has resumed at the end of a week-long ceasefire here. The truce now over. The Israeli military said yesterday that it has resumed combat in the Gaza Strip and claiming Hamas violated the truce and fired a rocket toward Israeli territory. Israeli airstrikes have been reported in Gaza. Drones have been reported over southern Gaza. And also leaflets have been dropped there in southern Gaza, warning people of imminent attack. And that's coming from the IDF. During the seven-day truce, Hamas released 80 hostages in exchange for 240 Palestinian prisoners. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken was in Israel on Thursday, calling for the truce to be extended. But at the conclusion of that meeting, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said they had sworn to eliminate Hamas and that nothing will prevent that from happening. Those eight total Israeli hostages released yesterday by Hamas were handed over into Red Cross custody. The latest exchange extends the ceasefire in Gaza by another day. But any further renewal of the truce, now in its seventh day, could prove more daunting because Hamas is expected to set a higher exchange rate for many of the remaining hostages. International pressure has mounted for the truce to continue. Hamas's deadly attack on October 7th has been followed by Israeli bombardment and a ground campaign. Thousands of Palestinians in Gaza have been killed, and more than three-quarters of the population of 2.3 million have been uprooted. I, Norman Hall. And as we said, the pause basically over for now. Fighting has resumed. Um, there have been rocket attacks uh, claimed from IDF that were launched by Hamas from Gaza. 
IDF has in turn launched airstrikes, so we're kind of back to where we were a week ago. Um, granted, that exchange of hostages and prisoners did take place. And there's also new reporting out from the New York Times that Israel may have known about Hamas's attack plan for their October 7th terrorist incursion that killed more than 1,000 people. And Israeli officials may have known about it for more than a year before it happened. The New York Times reviewed a 40-page document which outlined the entire strategy, almost exactly how the Palestinian militant group carried it out. But officials who looked at the info felt the plan was beyond the capabilities of Hamas. The review revealed that while Israel didn't know a date for the attack, there were early warning signs that it was coming. I'm Mark Mayfield. And one of the three Palestinian-American men shot last weekend in Burlington, Vermont, is now speaking out about that incident. Kanan Abdal-Mahid shot in the rear end during that attack, the only victim who has been released from the hospital since. He described to CBS News how he was able to reach a nearby porch after being shot and called for help. Residents inside rushed to help his friends. Abdal-Mahid says when he sat down on the porch, the pain he felt made him realize that he had been shot. WABC News Time 515 this morning on a Friday. It's December 1st. And let's check in with Justin Ellick to get the latest in sports. Thank you, James Flippin. Start here on the gridiron. Week 13 in the NFL kicked off in Dallas between the Cowboys and Seattle Seahawks on Thursday night football last night. Dak Prescott threw three touchdown passes and the Cowboys won their 14th consecutive home game, rallying to beat the Seahawks 41 to 35. Prescott's 12-yard pass to Jake Ferguson put Dallas in front with four and a half minutes remaining as the Cowboys set up a rematch with NFC East rival Philadelphia next week by escaping for a fourth consecutive victory since falling to the Eagles 28-23 to start the month of November. With the win, Dallas moves to 9-3 and on the year while Seattle falls to 500 at 6-6 six and six overall. Locally this weekend, the Giants are on a bye and the Four and seven Jets get set to host the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday afternoon. Kickoff at MetLife for the Jets is set for 1 p.m. on Sunday. And uh, New York heads into the weekend as two-point home underdogs. On the ice in Carolina, Matthew Barzal scored at 2.46 of overtime to lift the Islanders past the Hurricanes last night. Final score, 5-4. to four. Barzal added three assists, and Semyon Varlamov stopped 39 shots to help the Islanders win for the fourth time in six games. Out in Philly, New Jersey rookie Luke Hughes took a pass from uh, his older brother Jack and scored 28 seconds into overtime, leading the Devils to a 4-3 win over the Flyers last night. Alexander Holtz, Jack Hughes, and Tyler Toffoli added the scores in regulation for New Jersey, allowing the Devs to salvage a victory after they coughed up a 3-1 lead in the third period. New Jersey will try and uh, stay hot tonight at home against visiting San Jose Sharks. Puck drop there is set for 7 p.m. tonight on the hardwood at the Garden. Jalen Brunson scored 42 points. Julius Randle had 29 points and 10 rebounds. And the Knicks sent the Detroit Pistons to their franchise record 16th consecutive loss with a 118-112 victory last night. R.J. Barrett had 15 points, and Dante DiVincenzo added 12, including two crucial, I should say, three-pointers down the stretch for the Knicks. They've won the, uh, their last two games. We'll see if they can keep it going tonight in Toronto against the Raptor, Raptors. Tip-off there is scheduled for 7.30 p.m. tonight. Out in Brooklyn, the Nets lost a nail-biter to the visiting Charlotte Hornets. Final score, 129-128. to 128. Cam Thomas scored 26 points in his return from a sprained ankle. And Mikael Bridges had 22 points and 9 rebounds as Brooklyn's three-game winning streak was snapped with the loss. 
That's Sports Jam, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. And, Justin, what about those Seattle Seahawks throwbacks last night? You a fan of those, the Steve Largent era? I'm a fan of anything that isn't the neon green Yeah, the, exactly, uniforms. right? Like, those uniforms they put in place, whatever it was, 15, yeah. 20 years ago, are awful. Bring back the Matt Hasselback, Sean Alexander uniform. Right, that's what I'm talking about. Those right. were great. Yeah, okay. I yeah, agree. I'm with you. Yeah, because you like the Kelly Green Eagles one, so course, it well, makes sense. Well, of course. Who, who doesn't like those? Yeah, I mean, they do look good, I have to say that. You can find me one person who doesn't like them. The team itself, whatever, I'll leave them alone. You can find me one person who doesn't like the uniform. (laughs) WABC News Time, 5.20 a.m. James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden on the 77 WABC 5 a.m. News Hour. So coming off Justin's sports report, I wanted to get back into that for a second here. Some basketball news to report about. Off the court, LeBron James' son, Bronny James, is being cleared to return to the basketball court. The son of LeBron James, Bronny collapsed during a workout four months ago and suffered cardiac arrest. After a final evaluation by the staff at the University of Southern California, he's been officially cleared to begin his freshman season at the school. He will return to practice next week with games shortly after. I'm Brian Shook. And then as far as local sports goes, tomorrow Cardinal Hayes High School in the Bronx will play for the state championship and if they win they'll be the first inner city team in new york to ever win the state championship in football and then a heartwarming story from the next game last night incredible story really mitchell robinson one of the next centers their forwards his high school coach butch stockton lost his wife in september but robinson visited her constantly in the hospital he was there with them almost every day and at the funeral mitch said he'd invite butch to live with him in new york well, Stockton took him up on the offer and has been Robinson's teammate since the start of the year. And after the funeral, Mitchell told everyone that he was going to bring me to New York with him. He said, Coach, there's no reason you stay down here in Louisiana anymore. You come to New York with me and enjoy yourself and get your mind back straight because you know how much you love your wife, how much I like to love your wife, and it's just been a great situation. Now that audio courtesy of MSG. And, you know, those those bonds between your high school coach when it comes to being an athlete and kind of those formative years, that cuts deep. Former White House Chief Medical Advisor Dr. Anthony Fauci is set to testify before Congress early next year concerning the origins of COVID-19 and the U.S. pandemic response. Fauci will appear in Congress for a two-day transcribed interview on January 8th and 9th, giving seven hours of testimony per day in that private session. He must also testify at a public hearing sometime later in 2024. This will mark the first time Fauci has testified since he retired. Well, the Las Vegas Sphere is lining up the next act to play at the Cutting Edge venue. Jam Band Fish will play four unique shows April 18th through the 21st, frontman Trey Anastasio says the band has been dreaming up ways to bring their show to the sphere since the moment they heard about it. Rock band U2 opened that venue, which features the highest resolution LED screen on the planet. And if you've seen the pictures online, they, they always put these funky images on the big sphere itself. So it'll be like a big eyeball that's looking around at the strip and stuff like that. Um, it's got over 160,000 speakers, and U2 is scheduled to wrap up their residency there at the Sphere in February. Fans can put a request for Fish's performance until December 11th, and then any remaining tickets go on sale to the public December 15th. A U.S. judge has blocked Montana's TikTok ban from going into effect. A preliminary injunction was issued yesterday, and that would block the ban from taking effect on January 1st. 
The claim is that it oversteps state power and infringes on the constitutional rights of users. Montana was the first state to issue a ban on the Chinese-owned video sharing app last May. TikTok argued the ban violated First Amendment free speech rights. TikTok users in Montana also filed a lawsuit to block the ban. And since TikTok won't be banned, a cheer went up from all the teens and young people in, I was going to say Minnesota, Montana. You may love their TikTok. All right, a couple of nights ago here in Midtown, the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree was officially lit up for the holiday season. And down in D.C. last night, the national Christmas tree was lit. The ceremony had been delayed a bit after strong winds blew the tree down earlier in the week. All right, you got it. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, everybody. everybody. This is a great tradition. One, as has been pointed out already, we've honored over 100 years where presidents and the people come together to usher in the holiday season. President Biden speaking there at that tree lighting ceremony. And then last night also, there was a debate aired on Fox News that featured Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and California Governor Gavin Newsom. DeSantis says people are leaving California because they don't feel safe in the state anymore. People are leaving California in droves, largely because... Public safety has collapsed. DeSantis Uh, said Californians have told him when visiting that women have to take off their jewelry while shopping because they fear getting robbed. California Governor Gavin Newsom countered he doesn't think it's wise for a man that's running for president to talk down a great American city like L.A. A funny moment came at one point when DeSantis was talking about people leaving California. Again, all this audio is courtesy of Fox News. So I was talking to a, so I was talking to a, the move from California uh, to Florida, and he was telling me that Florida is much better governed, uh, safer, better budget, uh, lower taxes, all this stuff. And he's really happy with the quality of life. And then he paused and he said, you know, by the way, I'm Gavin Newsom's father-in-law. So we do count gavin's in-laws as some of the people that have fled california um and come to the state of florida pretty good story there pretty good line and i i I have no reason to think it's not true because gavin newsom wasn't making a face like oh there's that's not that's a lie or you know anything like that but i do have to say just as a criticism of desantis a little bit you got to just let that hang there you got to just say was gavin newsom's father-in-law you know what i mean instead he kind of like qualified it and said so yeah we do count Gavin Newsom's father-in-law among our supporters. That kind of you know took away from it a little bit. Gun control was a big talking point during that debate. DeSantis says he backs the police. Newsom says legislation DeSantis passed is dangerous to the people of Florida. After, after you sign that concealed carry bill, which increases the likelihood, Fred Gutenberg said, of more Jamies losing their lives and more Parklands, he called you weak, pathetic, and small. DeSantis argues that Newsom has backed ultra-liberal DAs in California. Let's buzz through some other highlights of that debate, shall we? DeSantis also said California Governor Gavin Newsom is a supporter of the Biden administration. The Florida governor says the Biden administration has ruined the economy. Newsom claims the Biden administration is creating jobs and touted what Bidenomics have done for the economy. And Newsom at one point joked he thought DeSantis was running for president of the U.S. because I guess he was constantly defending his Florida record or whatever. Well, DeSantis responded, you're running for president, too. You just won't admit it. Admit it. Again, Fox News there. Newsom says Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has extreme views with regards to abortion. And we'll get into that audio in a second here. There was some more stuff they talked about during that debate. Book bans, 
Um, we'll talk about how that stuff factored into the debate there on Fox News. WABC News Time 529, James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden on the 77 WABC 5 a.m. News Hour. So that Newsom-DeSantis debate last night did spend some time talking about abortion. Newsom here, the governor of California, talking about a potential ban that would be minus restrictions. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Good morning, James Flippin filling in for Noah Layden on this Friday, December 1st. Here's your Ramsey Mazda three-day weather forecast. Mostly clear this morning, 41 degrees in Midtown later today. Rain is likely after 4 o'clock, 49 today's expected high. Tomorrow, Saturday, foggy, cloudy, the high near 56. Sunday, rain expected, 52 the high. Monday, partly sunny, getting up to 51. Right now, 41 degrees in midtown Manhattan, 39 in Elizabeth, New Jersey, and 42 in Elmont on Long Island. That's the weather forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Desk. So I was having some issues with the audio before the break, but the Newsom-DeSantis debate, like we said, talked about uh, got into abortion as a topic, and Governor Newsom talked about a potential ban that wouldn't have restrictions. He signed a bill banning any exceptions for rape and incest, and then he said it didn't go far enough and decided to sign a six-week ban before women even know they're pregnant, Ron, before women can even access a doctor's appointment. But Governor Ron DeSantis, being referred to there, said he would support a bill banning abortions with a detectable heartbeat. And, you know, that detectable heartbeat sometimes looked at as a standard for legislation. I think that what the position that we have from the modern left, including in California, is that they will take your tax dollars and they will fund abortion all the way to the moment of birth. And what else did they get into? Oh, yes. Book bans, parental rights came up during the debate. Again, all this audio is from Fox News. DeSantis raised up a book that he claimed was pornography. So this is a book that's in some of the schools in California, Florida. This is not consistent with our standards called gender queer. I, it's some of it's blacked out. You would not probably be able to put this on air. This is pornography. It's cartoons. It's aimed at children. Now, Newsom claimed Florida and other conservative states are using book bans as a cultural sword. And he addressed what he calls DeSantis's book bans. 1,406 books have been banned just last year under Ron DeSantis' leadership. So again, all that, the DeSantis-Newsom debate last night on Fox News, and later we may get into some of their discussions on taxes and stuff like that. Kind of interesting. Speaking of schools and controversial topics, a mother in Texas has been kicked off a school district's sex education panel after it was discovered she's been convicted twice for prostitution. Ashley Ketcherside, convicted in 2012 and 2016 in Fort Worth, after apparently advising her, uh, advertising herself on the Internet as a true girl next door, and she served on the School Health Advisory Council for the Godly Independent School District. She also reportedly led a cheerleading group and volunteered on several district panels, and Ketcherside's escort gig was apparently discovered by parents after she was unable to provide details on multiple businesses she claimed to own. See, it's always the accounting that gets you. You know, it's like Al Capone. You know, if they chase, if they can trace the money back somehow, then that's how they get you. Um, one thing, by the way, I don't believe that the debate between Newsom and DeSantis touched on was the nation's increased suicide rate, as in fact, gun suicides 
are up at unprecedented rates. Data from the CDC found that of the nearly 50,000 overall suicide deaths in 2022, about half of them were gun-related. The analysis also found that the annual U.S. firearm suicide rate increased by nearly 11 percent from 2019 to 2022, which is the highest documented level since at least 1968. The pandemic was listed as a potential cause for overall increases since it exacerbated known risk factors, including substance use, relationship stressors, and social isolation. I'm Lisa Taylor. The House of Representatives held a floor debate yesterday over whether to expel New York Republican George Santos from Congress. The debate comes ahead of an expected vote today, which will be the third time this year the House has weighed the ouster of Santos. And, you know, Santos has previously said already he's not going to run for re-election. He's pled not guilty to 23 federal charges, alleging that he improperly used campaign funds for personal use and stuff like that. Um, You know, some of the arguments on the floor yesterday centered around the fact that he may have lied during his campaign. So, you know, some, I guess, you know, representatives in Congress feel that voters were misled ahead of the vote and stuff like that. But, you know, notably, the people who have some reservations about this, including House Speaker Mike Johnson, say this hasn't happened before. You know, we don't do this unless somebody's been convicted of a crime. And it's unclear right now whether or not the votes are there to kick Santos out. Ahead of that debate yesterday, he spoke outside of the Capitol building. The reality of it is it's all theater. It's theater for the cameras. It's theater for the microphones. It's theater for the American people. He also talked about how him potentially being kicked out is bullying. A man from Queens is under arrest, charged in the hit-and-run death of a three-year-old boy in Flushing on Wednesday night. 20-year-old Kevin Gomez charged with leaving the scene of an accident that resulted in death and for driving without a permit. Other charges could be filed. Police say Quintus Chen was killed when he ran into the street and was killed as a white sedan pulled out of a parking lot, parking spot, I should say, along College Point Boulevard. And this happened right in front of the boy's father. An investigation's underway after an off-duty NYPD officer shot a man inside a Bronx store yesterday. Assistant NYPD Chief Benjamin Gurley says a 42-year-old man walked inside a store on White Plains Road. This was in the Wakefield section and got into an argument with that off-duty officer. The off-duty police officer discharged his weapon one time, striking the male once in the left arm and subsequently grazing the male's chest. WABC News Time 539, James Flippin filling in for Noel Mladen. So it's Friday. Maybe you guys are thinking about going to the movies this weekend. Let's see how many of our listeners recognize this film's theme song. Uh, this audio just does not want to work with me today, does it? All right, that's okay. Well, it's a sequel 35 years in the making. Beetlejuice 2 is a wrap. Director Tim Burton announced on Instagram that the film has completed production. It had two days left of shooting ahead of that SAG after strike that has finally now come to an end. And Deadline, okay, I can play the theme song now. Deadline reports Warner Brothers is looking at a September 6th, 2024 release date, and that's the highly sought post-Labor Day weekend, which has historically been good for Warner Brothers horror movies like It and The Nun. Opening statement set for Monday in the assault trial of actor Jonathan Majors in New York. Jury selection ended yesterday. The trial is expected to take about two weeks before deliberations will begin, before the jury gets the case. Majors charged with assault and aggravated harassment related to an incident with his ex-girlfriend in Manhattan in March. He faces up to a year in prison if convicted. The actor has starred in films like Creed Three and multiple Marvel studio projects, 
And he's also starred as the villain Kang the Conqueror. The migrant encampment at Brooklyn's Floyd Bennett Field coming under scrutiny now from federal lawmakers. A bill which passed the House late Thursday would cancel the lease at Floyd Bennett Field, which is currently housing migrants who have been flooding the city from the southern border. New York Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis, who was a guest on 77 WABC's Cats and Cosby program, sponsored the measure, which has bipartisan support. The governor and the mayor and the president entered into this deal without actually doing any environmental review without uh, following the uh, national required laws as you would have to. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. Meanwhile, it's costing the city a lot of money to transport migrants living at Floyd Bennett Field to school. Earlier this week, city officials unveiled the Department of Education is on pace to pay $625,000 to bus nearly 200 migrant children to school this year. And they're staying in those huge tents at the Federal Airfield in Brooklyn, The word is city officials still have more room in tents there to house migrants. And lest you should think this is just an issue New York is facing, not true. In Chicago, construction's underway on the winterized base camp for migrants in the Windy City's Bryant Park, Brighton Park neighborhood. The protests are here demanding transparency from the city as crews began setting up those first tent frames yesterday. I beg them, please talk with us. If you're going to force this upon us, just be honest so we can work it out. We do have concerns. The site's expected to immediately house hundreds of migrants. The camp has faced opposition from the community over safety concerns. And there was uh, toxic metals discovered at the site. And that at least is somewhat similar to Floyd Bennett Field, by the way, where people have said there are flooding risks. One of the reasons that they don't think that's an acceptable site. So we played you a lot of sound this morning and talked a bit in terms of recap concerning last night's Fox News debate between California Governor Newsom and Florida Governor DeSantis. Another story out of Florida has engendered much debate here. An autistic teen severely beat his teacher who had taken his Nintendo Switch away. And that teen now faces a significant amount of time behind bars. In a recent TV interview, the boy's mom begged for leniency for him, 18-year-old Brendan Deppa faces up to 30 years behind bars for slamming paraprofessional Join Nadich to the floor before kicking and punching her in the back and head more than a dozen times. Nadich has so far refused to go along with the defense team's request that the six foot six teenager be handed a lighter punishment. On News Nation, Deppa said, I'm so sorry for what my son did. Nobody should have to go through that. But at the same time, please consider that my son's had a hard life. He's gone through much trauma in life. He has autism. Please show him mercy. But Nadich, the victim, says her life will never be the same due to the physical injuries and drama. Um, there's, you know, security camera footage that's really hard to watch. I mean, the guy just unloads on this woman, and she suffered five broken ribs, hearing loss, what she claims are ongoing cognitive problems. And the troubled teen did have three prior battery arrests before that assault on Nadich at the school. He was reportedly also involved in a jail fight in September. Depa being held on $1 million bond sentencing will be in January. So our engineer filling in today, Diego, gave me this story. Kind of interesting. Subway offering a sweet treat in honor of National Cookie Day. Cookie lovers and footlong fiends. If you're in Chicago, Dallas, Miami, and New York, you can go to a Subway restaurant on Monday, December 4th for National Cookie Day and get a free footlong cookie with the purchase of a footlong sub. So if you nice. got to have a... <laughs> yeah, you like that, right, Diego? Yes, so I you, do. If you got to have a footlong cookie, 
then that's something that you can uh, check out there on Subway at on Monday at Subway. I have not really been to a Subway in some time, I have to admit, but maybe for a footlong cookie that would get me there. I'm not sure. WABC News Time is 5.45 on this Friday morning, and we are going to throw it over to Justin Ellick this morning and get the latest from the world of sports. Thank you, uh, James. Flippin' start here on the gridiron. Me and uh, Andrew Giuliani, we were just uh, briefly discussing the game last night. He says he just found out the score. <laughs> Find out right now, actually. So you're going to know if I'm fifty dollars richer or uh, fifty dollars poorer. Let's there you see go. What the score was? Well, hopefully you took it against the spread, and hopefully you took uh, the Seahawks plus the points. Boom! <laughs> I like. It. Thank you very much. Happy, happy morning. There you go. Happy morning for uh, Mr. Andrew Giuliani. Are we uh, part of the fill-in crew today for Sid and Friends of the Morning? Looking forward to that. But first. Let's go to the gridiron. James, week 13, did kick off in Dallas between the Cowboys and Seattle Seahawks on Thursday night football last night. Dak Prescott threw three touchdown passes, and the Cowboys won their 14th consecutive home game, rallying to beat the Seahawks 41-35. to But the Seahawks do cover that 9.5 points. Thank you very much. There you go. Prescott's 12-yard pass to Jake Ferguson put Dallas in front with 4.5 minutes remaining. As the Cowboys set up a rematch with NFC East rival Philadelphia next week by escaping for a fourth consecutive victory since falling to those Eagles 28 20 to start the month of November. With the win, Dallas moves to 9-3 and three on the year, while Seattle falls to 500 at 6-6 six and six overall. Locally this weekend, the Giants are on a bye, and the 4-7, uh, I should say, Jets get set to host the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday afternoon. Kickoff at MetLife for the Jets is set for 1 p.m. on Sunday, and they head in as two-point home underdogs. College football to look forward to. It's conference championship weekend, so tonight, 8 p.m., Kicking things off, it'll be number 5, Oregon. Their 10-point favorites heading into number 3, Washington, for the Pac-12 championship. And tomorrow, a full slate, 4 p.m., you've got number 1, Georgia, at number 8, Alabama. The Bulldogs, their 5-point favorites. At 8 p.m. tomorrow, number 2, Michigan, 22-point favorites heading into number 16, Iowa, for the Big Ten championship. And also at 8 p.m. tomorrow night, number 14, Louisville. At number 4, Florida State. Florida State there, 1.5-point favorites in the ACC championship game. On the ice in Carolina, Matthew Barzell scored a 246 of overtime to lift the Islanders past the Hurricanes last night. Final score 5-4. to four. And out in Philly, New Jersey rookie Luke Hughes took a uh, perfect pass from his older brother Jack and scored 28 seconds into overtime, leading the doubles to a 4-3 win over the Flyers. So last night, New Jersey will try and stay hot tonight at home against the visiting San Jose Sharks. Puck drop there is set for 7 p.m. tonight. On the hardwood at the Garden, Jalen Brunson scored 42. Julius Randle had 29 and 10 rebounds. And the Knicks sent the Detroit Pistons to their franchise record 16th consecutive loss with a 118-112 victory last night. Uh, New York will see if they can keep it going tonight in Toronto against the Raptors. A tip-off there is scheduled for 7.30 p.m. tonight out in Brooklyn. The Nets lost a nail-biter to the visiting Charlotte Hornets. Final score there, 129-128. to That's Sports James, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Thank you, Justin. WABC News Time, 5.48 on this Friday morning. WABC News Time 549, and as we learned at the top of our sports report just a few minutes ago, your upcoming morning show host, Andrew Giuliani, learned his bet ticket cashed last night following the Cowboys' win over the Seahawks, a Seattle cover. Let's check in on everybody's funds and Wall Street this morning. U.S. stocks finished mixed yesterday. The Dow notched a new high watermark for the year. The Dow Jones Industrial Average closing higher for the month, ending a three-month losing streak. In the S&P 500, the Nasdaq Composite both notched their best performances since July of last year. At the closing bell, the Dow had gained 520 points. The S&P 500 and Nasdaq both fell. In yesterday's economic data, 
Jobless claims ticked higher in the most recent week, reaching their highest level in two years. Continuing claims jumped 86,000. The PCE index for October, that's the Fed's preferred measure of inflation, showed inflation rose 0.2% in October, month over month, 3.5% from a year ago, so still outpacing the central bank's target of 2%. Consumer spending cooling off. October's pending home sales dropped to a record low, lower even than what was seen during the financial crisis of 2008. As mortgage rates they rose sharply in October, with the average on the 30-year fixed loan briefly soaring over 8%. Rates have since pulled back, but they're still above 7%, and supply is tight. Today, construction spending for October is due. The ISM Manufacturing Index for October will be published, and November's auto sales are also due for Friday. Close out the week. Fed Chair Jerome Powell will deliver comments as well. Delivery of Tesla's Cybertruck started yesterday with an invitation-only event at their Austin, Texas manufacturing plant. When you see it in person, it looks like CGI. The lines are impossibly straight, and it just doesn't look like it belongs in our world. That's Matt Holm, who heads a Tesla owner's club in Austin, which hosted the after-party. Cybertruck's unique look, yeah, part of the big selling point. Like a DeLorean on steroids. It's a whole different world you're kind of looking at, and yet very utilitarian. Home predicts it will be a revolutionary vehicle. With 2 million people on a reservation list, I think uh, the market has got a lot more demand for this than they're even going to have for an F-150. So circling back for a second here to the California Governor Gavin Newsom and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis debate last night on Fox News, the debate at one point got into taxes. And basically, Newsom argues Florida is overtaxing the middle class. Newsom also claims that, you know, Florida is benefiting from Bidenomics. Newsom adds his state supports a lower tax structure than DeSantis. So this didn't necessarily sound right to me because you always hear about all the high taxes in California. And since we live in New York, you know, it's kind of par for the course that we also face high taxes and high cost of living, stuff like that. So I had to look it up. And this is per the Tax Foundation. California has a 7.25% state sales tax rate, a max local sales tax rate of 2.5%, and an average combined state and local tax sales rate of 8.82%. California's tax system ranks 48th overall on the 2024 State Business Tax Climate Index, per the Tax Foundation. Here's Governor Newsom. Uh, He has one of the most regressive tax rates in the United States of America. It's the number three most regressive state in America. So, again, I don't know what standards he's basing that off of. I'm just looking at what the Tax Foundation has put together, where they rank Florida's tax system fourth overall on the 2024 state business tax climate index. So, I mean, California, again, uh, per the Tax Foundation, all the way at the bottom, almost at 48, and Florida near the top at four. Governor DeSantis challenged Newsom again by saying people are moving to Florida. And, um, you know, when I have people that come to Florida, uh, they tell me, you know, you guys actually want us to succeed in Florida. An increasing number of U.S. retailers are adopting a just keep it or returnless policy this holiday season, meaning you get your money back, but don't actually have to send back the item. If you want to return it, that's because often the need to transport, sell, and resell products, often at a discount, just isn't worth it to those retail companies. Returns firm GoTRG says 59% of retailers are offering so-called returnless policies for unwanted products this year. 
And the firm also says they won't disclose which companies are included, as that information is basically not something retailers want out there. One of the things we talked about yesterday is the fact gasoline prices have been dropping for over two months. They've been on the decline. And now the word is the United States is poised to extract more oil and gas than ever before in 2023. At least that's the latest federal government forecast, which shows a record 12.9 million barrels of crude oil, more than double what was produced a year ago, being extracted in 2023. So sort of something that maybe flies in the face of what you often hear from Republicans regarding domestic oil supply and production and stuff like that. Uh, We've also heard OPEC has some reservations about what they should do in terms of output and production. So the energy markets remain volatile here for sure. And the Biden administration, of course, is big into clean energy efforts. And the president toured a wind power plant this week in Colorado. There is some concern about an uptick in crime on the city's subways after the MTA has been working on driving those numbers down. NYPD Deputy Commissioner Tarek Shepard says it's important to keep a perspective on the overall picture. Violence is very minimal inside our trains, and we're going to keep it that way. We'd like it to be zero, but in a city that has almost 9 million people, that's very difficult to do. Felony assaults up 28% for the week, 23% for the month, and up 5% for the year, while overall subway crime is still up 8% for the week, 15.8% for the month, but down 2.4% for the year. So, again, that's where you get into some of that fun with numbers stuff, you know, uh, Assaults are up, but overall crime down. And then you wonder, you know, how much of that is is classified as like property crime and stuff like that. The statistics come as two people were shot Tuesday night on a moving subway in Brooklyn. That was in Bed-Stuy. Sandy Hook High School in Newtown, Connecticut, was locked down yesterday after a threat was made against the facility. The threat was against the replacement building for the school where 20 children and six educators were killed in that 2012 mass shooting. The lockdown ordered yesterday morning after cops were made aware of a threat against the school. Police investigated. They searched the building out of an abundance of caution and then determined the threat was not credible. WABC News Time 556. James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden here on the WABC News Hour. So it was on this day in 2013 when Long Island's favorite son, Billy Joel, announced an indefinite engagement at New York's Madison Square Garden, saying he would play one concert a month at the famed venue for as long as there was demand. And we know that his famed residency at MSG will soon be coming to a close as the final dates have been put on the books there for Joel's residency in MSG. WABC Time Check 559 on December 1st. It's a Friday. So will they or won't they try to boot George Santos today? Israel and Hamas have resumed fighting. Teens in Montana are celebrating after a U.S. judge blocked the state's TikTok ban from going into effect. And everybody's still reacting to what's coming with congestion pricing. WABC Time Check 559, sponsored by Bulova Watches. And you can check out those finely crafted time pieces at Macy's. Bulova Watches, discover finely crafted time pieces at Macy's. So James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden this morning on the 5 a.m. news hour. Capping our top stories, we talked about the debate between Ron DeSantis and Governor Gavin Newsom as they talked about things like book bans and uh, the various tax structures in California and Florida. 
Uh, all that's going to potentially be making some headlines this morning. And then, you know, congestion pricing, $15. It looks like that's what it's going to cost you. Meanwhile, the Gateway Tunnel Project has broken ground, and at least that should maybe make things a little bit better with mass transit over the next coming years. Although, they do say it's going to take maybe 15 years to complete that tunnel, something like that. All right, whatever, better have some patience. Thanks for joining us this morning. Coming up next, it'll be Andrew Giuliani, Andrew Giuliani and Frank Morano filling in for Sid on Sid and Friends in the Morning. Catch you next time. James Flippin filling in here on the 77 WABC 5 AM News Hour.